0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm Alvin. For those of you who are here for the first time, I serve as lead pastor at the church, and this is a great church. I really do love uh, doing what I do. Uh, these are some of the best people I've ever met, and it's an honor to serve alongside them every week, worshiping God together. We're growing a ton. We've since we moved into this space, we've doubled in size. Uh, So many new families are showing up. It's just, it's a very, very uh, abundant season for our church and it's very encouraging for me. Uh, I do want to honor our founding pastors, my dad, Pastor Love. And my mother, Pastor Cece, who, I did this in the first service. I think it's always a big deal when our church body is making an impact on the world outside of the four walls and I can't think of a person who's been doing that greater than Pastor CeCe. She just uh, won three Grammys last Sunday. Which is awesome. Just to show how. And the reason why. And she still serves in church, which is just very inspiring to me. Uh, I think what makes it a victory for all of us when she does get acknowledged for that because she sings gospel music. So if her music is being celebrated, that means Jesus is being celebrated because that's all she sings about. So um, I'm encouraged to, to have, uh, yeah, you in our church, you and my family and <laughs> um, yeah, I'm proud of you. Proud of you. Okay, we're gonna get into the message today. Um, yeah, so many good things happening. This this week is about to be huge for us. Please, guys, uh, tell your friends and coworkers Friday night. We're gonna be here six and seven thirty. Good Friday, we got resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating. Uh, Jesus with the rest of the whole world uh, on Sunday 8 30 10 and 11:30. we haven't done three services in here before so that should be exciting um, yeah I love it I'm, this is a this is a good time I'm really encouraged um, and we're gonna get into scripture so before we do I would love for everyone to repeat these words that are on the screen after me before we get into the scriptures uh, say the word of God is the bread of life yeah, may my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, all right. Well, the theme for 2022, in case you're new, uh, is withstanding the wind. Withstanding the wind, it's a phrase that's inspired by a passage in Matthew chapter 3, Verse 12, and it's John the Baptist talking about Jesus, who had yet to really hit the scene with his ministry, but he was about to. And this is how John describes Jesus. He says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire." This is a metaphor that John is using. He's comparing Jesus to wheat harvesters. And when harvesters are gathering their wheat and preparing the harvest for the season, they allow a process called winnowing. And that's when they use the natural winds or they generate winds with a fan to to cause a separation to happen in the harvest. I know that seems backwards because you're gathering wheat, but a part of the gathering process also includes separation where the wheat, the part that we eat to make bread and, and pasta and other good things, separates from the chaff, the part that we don't eat. And the wind is what does that separation because chaff is loose, it's easily blown away, and wheat has a weight to it that's able to withstand the wind. So John is saying, just like harvesters do that when they're harvesting wheat, Jesus is doing that as he's harvesting and gathering his people. He allows a winnowing process to happen where he utilizes the winds of the day Not to harm the harvest, but to identify the harvest. To find out who really is his and who's kind of just saying it. Um, When you have winds and you are able to withstand it, it ends up being proof that you are actually rooted in Christ. That your faith is in him. So though you're challenged by the wind, you're not blown away by it. On the contrary, like chaff... If the winds prove to blow you away, it ends up being an indicator, an evidence that your faith was not rooted in the Lord and that he wasn't your Lord. And and as we as we prepare for the year, I just believe. That's the word. It was like preparation. We're about to experience even more growth. We're about to experience a lot in our church, not to mention the cities growing, not to mention just the way that society is moving with what's happening with world events. If we're not rooted, um, it's just not going to be a great testimony for Jesus. He wants to build us to be able to withstand the wind. So we're covering a different wind Each month and for the month of April we're covering fear the winds of fear fear is blowing fear is blowing around the world it's blowing throughout the church and it's important for us to know how to withstand the winds of fear so that fear doesn't cause us to break our focus from Jesus and to pull away from the faith that we profess right Um, now That definition of fear, Webster's definition of fear, is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Scripture, uh, well, first of all, that's something that we've all experienced. There's no one here that hasn't at least felt the emotion of fear. Um, And then there's also uh, the spirit of fear, which I'll talk about in a second. But... When it comes to the awareness of fear, when it comes to, I mean, awareness of danger or the anticipation of danger, uh, this is what causes the emotion of fear. Scripture says that fear is, uh, when it comes to the spirit of fear, it's the anticipation of punishment specifically punishment from God, which is why the good news is so great for us because the good news lets us know that the punishment that our sins deserve were all placed on Jesus, who was the sacrificial lamb. And when he died, he took the punishment for the sins that we deserve, which is why we sing songs and shout, thank you, Jesus, because he really took uh, something that was supposed to go to us And that's something worthy of thanks, right? Which is why we should always thank him. We should always praise him. We should never become calloused or or entitled even to the sacrifice that was made for us. May our hearts, God, never grow cold to just how incredible a gift it was for Jesus to stand in the line of fire for us, saving us from the wrath of God. So that's the good news. This is why we celebrate. But I also want to clarify a couple of things. Punishment and consequences aren't the same thing. As Christians, we are saved from the punishment of God. As followers of Jesus, we are saved. From God's punishment. We are exempt from that. That's why they say we're saved, because we're exempt from the punishment of God because Jesus took it. Now, consequences aren't the same thing. The consequences are, are a byproduct of the actions. So for instance, let's say you rob a bank and you repent. Your soul is saved from the punishment of God, but you will still very likely have to go to jail, because there are consequences for what you do. So though your soul is free, your physical body might not be, um, because there's consequences for our actions. So it's one thing to think that Jesus exempts you from consequences, that's not the case. But he does exempt you from punishment, from the wrath of God. Uh, So there is a difference. I also want to make a difference between uh, or tell the difference between the spirit of fear and the emotion of fear. Um, the Bible talks about the spirit of fear, but when we read Webster's definition, we see that fear is also uh, an emotion where you just have have the emotion of, of, of danger coming and there's an anticipation of danger uh, I believe that you can experience the emotion of fear and still walk in the spirit of faith. I believe that you can experience the emotion of fear and still walk in courage. In fact, I believe... Courage, by definition, doesn't mean that you're oblivious of the danger. It means that you're able to still go through it even though you know that danger is a possibility. So I don't want us to think just because that we're aware that danger could be around the corner that we are automatically walking in the spirit of fear. In fact, that's actually an opportunity to use courage, to use bravery, and let the presence of God give you the faith to go through it. However, if we let the emotion of fear have its perfect way in our life, if we let that feeling turn into leadership, we'll find a door being opened to the spirit of fear. And the spirit of fear is very unfortunate because it, it keeps you from obeying God. It keeps you from walking in faith. It keeps you from progressing forward because it paralyzes you. It keeps you from stepping out and it causes you to shrink back. So we want to be people who know how to handle The emotions of fear that may come from time to time, but yet still walk in the spirit of faith. Does that make sense? Cool. Uh, Palm Sunday. Today is when we celebrate Palm Sunday. Jesus, this is the week where we celebrate his death and resurrection. Uh, It's an amazing life, universe-changing event Uh, when Jesus rose from the grave. And seven days prior to that is when Jesus entered Jerusalem. He was riding on a donkey, which really symbolized something very important. Uh, The animal that you rode in when it was time for war was a horse. And a king would come in on a war horse when it was time for war. So for a king to come in on a donkey, that meant peace. That meant humility. Jesus, it was very important that the first part of his ministry was a lamb. You hear like the lion and the lamb, right? He was during this time the sacrificial lamb. His way of purchasing our victory was being being slaughtered like a sacrificial lamb. The scriptures also very clear that when he comes back, they describe him as coming in on a horse when he comes back because while he's a lamb during this Palm Sunday time, when he comes back, he's gonna be the Lion of Judah. He's gonna be someone who is very majestic. He's not gonna be subtle at all. <laughs> Nothing about him is gonna be unassuming. It's gonna be glorious and even terrifying. It was the opposite on Palm Sunday. It was like, oh, like nice guy. He was, he, was, he, was, he was riding on a donkey, it was a very humble entry. But the people who knew who he was and believed who he was, still st- believed who he was still praised him nonetheless, and they started saying the word Hosanna, and Hosanna translates um, as "save us." It's a plea for salvation. Israel they were in a place of great need. They were oppressed in that time. They were under the oppressive hand of Rome, and they had heard the prophecies that there was going to be a king that was going to deliver them from their situation, and they wanted it so bad, so when they saw Jesus, this was the king that was going to deliver us from Roman rule. He's going to finally let us be our own nation. He's going to finally let us be our own people. We're going to be able to reign and, and have dominion like we used to do back in the day, and he's going to restore our kingdom. And it's interesting because though they were right that Jesus was uh, their Savior, they had grossly underestimated just how great of a salvation He was bringing. They were anticipating a national salvation, they were anticipation, anticipating a racial salvation their people their time their politics but they had no idea that he was coming not just to save their nation not just to save their race but to save the human race and the oppressive hand that he was saving them from wasn't caesar it was the prince of darkness it was satan himself it was an eternal salvation that was so much greater so much more vast so much more eternal than what they were anticipating, and it 's so cool because that, that to me that 's a lesson to me you know I believe the Lord says that that he does greater things that we could ever imagine for us. I believe that there are people in this room that are anticipating great things from God. But I want to encourage you that as great as what you're expecting, I can guarantee you that God is doing something way greater than what you're even imagining at the moment. So go ahead and let him continue to stretch your expectation, continue to stretch the way that you're dreaming, because I can guarantee you, you cannot dream the level of greatness that God is doing currently in your life and will continue to do if you trust him. Which brings me to the other side of Hosanna. So they're pleading, asking God to save them, save them. But there's also this celebratory tone that you hear, that you read about when you're reading in the scriptures. So they're they're saying save us, but they're also celebrating that they're saying save us to the one who can save them. It's, it's, it's save us, but also salvation has come. The Savior is here. When you're asking the Savior, the one who actually has the ability to save you, you can ask with thanksgiving. And that is uh, a marriage that I would love for Nashville Life to get better at, at, at linking. Uh, need and salvation. I mean, need and praise. Or need and thanksgiving. Uh, Hosanna was both a plea and a praise it was both a request and a celebration a lot of us equate need with fear need and fear are not the same thing you can have a need and still not be afraid the beautiful, and that's what was happening with the people when he was coming in Israel. They had a need. They needed salvation. They needed salvation from the oppression that was happening in their lives, not just from the from the government, but from their own sin. But while they had a need, they also knew, since we're in the presence of the Savior, we're not afraid. And and to me, the, yeah, need and fear—they're not. The same. It is possible to recognize a need that you have from God and have no fear at the same time. Because when the meter of your needs, when the one who is able to provide your needs is right in front of you, you don't have to be afraid because that need will be met. And to help drive this, I was like, Lord, how can I help them to understand both this Hosanna concept of of pleading and asking, but at the same time praising him and celebrating. How can we declare and request needs, but yet still have a spirit of celebration and anticipation at the same time? And I think uh, a scripture that I believe the Lord led me to that is just filled with so much rich revelation, and I'm going to try to just skim the surface this morning, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a great passage that marries this idea of genuine needs, but also confidence and provision um, because the Lord is with us. Um, Verse 1 through 2 of Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So there's a couple things I want to point out before we move on. Notice the scripture doesn't say, the Lord exists, I shall not want. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd indicates that you are a sheep and Jesus is your shepherd and he leads you. Everything, I'm about to list off some pretty amazing things over the next 15 minutes. All that I'm about to say is in context to not the Lord existing, but the Lord being your shepherd. That indicates a relationship that some of you all might not have today. But the good thing is, don't be condemned. You're here so you can establish that relationship, so God can can graduate from being just this person who exists, who's watching over you, to someone that you're actually following. I think sometimes we put too much stock in the fact that God is watching over us. But my question to you is, what is he watching? (laughs) Like, yes, he's watching over you, but is he watching someone who's following him, or is he watching someone who's rebelling against him? And yes, it's, I, just, I don't want us to put too much confidence in the fact that he's watching us. He sees everything. He's watching everybody. But only ones who are able to enjoy Psalms 23 and the benefits of it are those who know him as shepherd and those who follow as a member of his flock, as a sheep of his flock. So please understand that this is very contextual. This, this scripture I'm about to read, it kicks off, it's being talked about and written by someone who sees Jesus, who sees the Lord not just as God who exists, but a shepherd who leads me. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Green pastures, provision. He'll make sure you have the food you need. He'll make sure you have a place to rest. He'll make sure you're okay. He'll make sure that you are taken care of. He leads me beside still waters, which means it will be a peaceful process. He will allow you to be provided for in a peaceful manner. As you follow him, this is a guarantee. This is a promise that you can stand on. If the Lord is leading me, I will have what I need, and it will be peaceful. I don't know if you guys realize that. Like, a peaceful life is a part of our inheritance. If you read the New Testament, he tells the believers to live a quiet and peaceful life. And I know that can seem like, you know, if you're on fire for God you just want to be this this martyr, like, there will be a space for that. If, if the Lord allows it, but ultimately, yes, he wants you on fire for him, but, he, but not at jeopardy of your peace. Like, you can be on fire and still at peace, just so you know. You can be zealous for God and still sleep well at night, okay? Like, these are not mutually exclusive. I don't want you to think that God's destiny for you to be on fire for him means that you're going to be this Tasmanian devil running around with a chicken, like a chicken with your head cut off. Like, Peaceful, quiet, chill, and you can st- and the fire can still stay hot. The passion can still be there, but you'll be able to live a quiet, peaceful life. All right, that's in the that's in the scripture. I didn't make that up. I didn't make that up. Verse three, he restores my soul. So now he's talking about your soul. He's not just talking about being able to eat good grass and green grass and and be beside still waters. He's talking about your eternal life. Your soul is where your mental health is. Your 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 soul is where your emotional stability is. Your soul is the internal well-being of your life. So just. Just so you know, the shepherd doesn't just promise you external provision, but he promises you restoration on the inside. This is the part of you where depression tries to strike. This is the part of you where rejection tries to strike. This is the part of you where lust tries to strike. This is the part of you where, where sleepless nights try to strike. The Lord says, if you follow me as, my, as shepherd, and if you will be a sheep in my flock, your soul will be restored. Guys, most of our addictions and our vices, they're, they stem from voids in our soul. We have spaces in our soul that are meant to be filled that are empty, which is why we act out the way we act out. When people snap, when you have a short fuse, that's not your personality. That's a soul that's need, that needs to be restored. You're empty in a space. You would not act that way if you were full. I can promise you most of the reasons why we act out and we don't understand why we did that, how did I do that? Guys, that's a soul that needs restoration. Jesus says, if you are in my flock and follow me, I got you covered. I will make sure your soul is full to where you will not be living out of an of, of a impoverished soul, chasing things to fill you up that won't. He says, I got your soul covered. I got your external needs covered. I got your internal needs covered. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. All right, there's a couple things I want to point out. First two words I want to point out is walk through. The scripture says, even though I walk through the... Notice it doesn't say, even though I sit in the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I pitch a tent in the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I build a house in the valley of the... Even though I put my car in park in the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death has purpose, but the valley of the shadow of death was meant to be something that you only pass through. And what's happening is too many of us have made homes in the valley of the shadow of death. And we're wondering why we're scared all the time. The valley of the shadow of death was, all, was never meant to be a destination. It was never even meant to be a resting place. So for those of you who are in the valley of the shadow of death, and I know that many of us are because it's a real thing and it's a part of the process of our lives, but when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, now is not the time to stop walking. Now is not the time to stop moving. Now is not the time to stop praying, to stop reading your Bible. If I had a dollar, unfortunately I'd be a rich man. If I had a dollar for every single person that I've met over the past 11 years, that when they're in the valley of the shadow of death, that's when the Holy Spirit is telling them to it for a second, and to not do anything. Now is the time that you're not supposed to serve. Now is the time that you're not supposed to come. You're in the valley of the shadow of death, and now God is saying to stop walking. That's the time where you got to move even more so that you can pass through, though I walk through it. So if you're in a valley, get moving. Get moving. If you're in the valley, I know it looks like it's death, but guess what else? It's only a shadow. I know it looks like it's real, but it's only a shadow. And the Lord, you you can't learn for yourself that it's a shadow until you walk through it. For instance, death is like, it, it looks like a brick wall. Death looks like a brick wall. It looks like a dead end. And it tells so many of us, is this the time where the Lord is calling me to stop? But if you, the only way you, I can can tell you, it's a brick. I can tell you that it's a shadow all day long, but you will not know it for yourself until you actually get up through it and walk through it and realize that it was only a shadow the whole time. There are too many Christians who are believing the enemy that this is an this is actual death, that it's actually a brick wall. But the Lord is saying, if you would follow me, if you will allow me to be your shepherd, you will live to tell the story that that thing that looked like death was only a shadow. But you have to walk through it. Otherwise, it will always look like it's real. You will never believe it until you actually walk through it. Until you walk through it, it will still look like real death. And you will shrink back every time you come to it. But the Lord goes, Follow me, it's just a shadow. I know it looks real, I know it feels real, but it's only a shadow. This is why it says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The shepherd is with you. When you acknowledge the shepherd, when you acknowledge his presence in your life, you will find yourself fearing less and less and less. Not because the thing is not there, not because the circumstance changed necessarily, but because God is with you. And He's not just with you, but He's close. His rod and His staff are close enough to actually touch you. You know, when you're a shepherd and you've got the staff, sometimes you gotta like, you know, hit the sheep a little bit, get them going, tend them this way. That's proximity. You don't talk about the Lord's rod and staff unless there's some proximity. Some of us, he's still just the big man upstairs. And like, guys, he actually is intending to be way closer than upstairs while you're down here. By his spirit, he wants to be so close to you that you can actually sense his rod and his staff leading you and bringing comfort to your life. Again, guys, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Guys, we have to graduate from just the mere belief that he exists. That I'm telling you, the winds of our time, merely believing in his existence will not be enough. We are approaching a time where merely believing that God exists, it's not enough. You have to know him as shepherd. You have to know him as, as father. You have to know him as the one who I follow every day. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Some of us, again, I'm hoping that I can just help elevate some mindsets. I think some of us believe that Jesus can save them, and we believe that Jesus is going to work it out, but we're still under this belief system that he's going to drive out all of your enemies. He's going to stop the devil From trying to attack you, he is going to get rid of every person who doesn't believe in you and then your life is going to get good. Once God finally wipes out that boss of mine or wipes out that friend or that co-worker or that relative or that ex or like once they're finally out of my way, then the Lord can do what he wants to do with me. But the Lord is saying that's not how he works he will actually start setting up your table while the enemies are still around you. He he doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to have the room cleared out of enemies for you to start enjoying your life. Table represents provision. It represents peace. It represents family. And I believe that you can still have fiery darts flying at you on a daily basis and still experience supernatural provision, peace, and community all while your enemies are still trying to kill you. You don't have to wait for your enemies to be silenced to start living an abundant life. The Lord says right in the midst of your enemies trying to take you down, he will prepare a table and you will enjoy that feast while they're still trying to kill you. Why do you think the armor of God exists? Like, why do you think the Lord didn't say, I'll just stop all the arrows from going here? No, he goes, no, I'm not stopping. The arrows will still fly. They will still come at you, but I'm going to give you armor that's going to allow you to be in the midst of fire and still be protected. That's not, so if you're waiting for that, just, you're delaying your, your table. You're delaying the feast. You're delaying your provision, you're delaying the abundant life that God wants to give you. Stop thinking that that's only going to start once the enemies are gone because this scripture tells you that in the presence, while they're still around you, he will prepare a table before you. It says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil. That's important. Can you go back to that? Uh, Psalm 23. Thank you. Uh, You anoint my head with oil. Now, this is kind of a a gross analogy, but it's effective because it's true. When it comes to shepherds, uh, sheep, they're outside a lot. And when sheep uh, are out there in the pastures, apparently, I read that flies like to uh, get like, all in their faces and often set uh, start to lay eggs in their noses. And when sheep, when that happens, the larva produces flies and they actually get into the heads of the flies. And it's very annoying and frustrating and tormenting to the sheep to where it, it can cause blindness for the sheep. It can cause them to start bashing their head against things, trying to get relief from the torment of the flies literally in their brains. And it's really tragic, because obviously sheep are helpless a lot of times. And the shepherd, as a remedy to these flies and this larva that gets into the heads of the sheep physically, like not figuratively, like physically, they get in the head. They take thick oil. And smear oil around the heads of the sheep. And they get all in the nose and they get in the ear cavities because this oil will serve as a repellent from the flies that try to fly into the heads of the sheep. And as as, as violent as, and as gross as that is, I believe 100% that's what happens in the spirit world with us. There are these flies. There are these, these, these evil thoughts and spirits that that get into the minds of believers and if it matures it actually blinds us or better or even yet more often it torments us to where we start bashing our head against things, trying to get relief from the torment that's in our minds. And just like the helpless sheep, that's how the church often looks to where we're letting things get but the Lord says, if you would just let me be your shepherd, if you would just actually sit still, I will pour oil and I will anoint your head and that oil will be a repellent to where things aren't able to get into your mind. You guys know, I don't even know half of you guys but I can guarantee you guys know that the greatest battle that y'all deal with are the battles in your own thoughts. More More than your money, more than your marriage, more than your friends. The biggest battle that you deal with is in your own head. And the Lord is saying, I can change that. I can help that. I will anoint your head with oil. I will put a thick layer of oil over your head to where you will not be able to be as vulnerable to these flies that are tormenting your mind. When this scripture was written, it was written by a shepherd. David knew that's what oil does to a sheep. And the Lord saying the same way the oil protected the sheep, I will let my oil protect you. Guys, this is the benefit of Jesus, the Lord being your shepherd. Then it says, surely, verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, notice the message I'm talking about is the winds of fear. And I'm trying to get us out of being people who, well, let me tell you what I'm not trying to get you out of, and that's being a people with needs. This room is filled with needs. It's filled with external needs. It's filled with internal needs. Everybody in this room has needs. That's not the issue here. The issue is not that we have needs, but that we have fear. Because when Jesus was riding in on the donkey on Palm Sunday, And they were shouting, Hosanna. They had needs, but they also were free of fear because the Savior, the shepherd, was there. And they knew that the needs they had were able to be met by the one who was riding in, that they were praising. So it was a plea, but it was also a praise. It was a request, but it was also thanksgiving. The needs are inevitable, but what the Lord is trying to save us from is the fear. Because when Jesus is our shepherd, every need that you have, it's taken care of. So fear, I believe, by definition, is the anticipation of danger, of negative things happening. When you have anxiety, you're not expecting great things. You're expecting oftentimes the worst-case scenario. And I just want to give us a bird's-eye, I mean, not bird's-eye view, but a a, a close-up into someone, a human being, David, with needs but also knowledge of the shepherd that was with him. And notice the last verse says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. So we have tons of examples of people with needs and fear, but David is trying to be one of other examples to show us that you can have needs and expect goodness and mercy. David had anticipation of goodness and mercy. That's the opposite of fear. When you're anticipating goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life, it is very difficult to be anxious. When you are anticipating goodness and mercy to follow you all the days, which means not just like one day, all days. All days. Not one day in the future when things finally come together. Like All days of my future, goodness and mercy will follow me. That is the expectation you can have when the Lord is your shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. That is such an important thing for us to end on because in order for us to be saved from the spirit of fear and to withstand even the emotions of fear, we need to build up our expectation of goodness and mercy following me every single day of my life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When when Jesus was riding in, they were both pleading for him to save them and then declaring the salvation that was coming because he was in their town. When you have needs, if you would simply learn to acknowledge that the Savior is here, not coming, but here, by the Spirit of God, Jesus' presence is actually here right now. I know we can't see him physically, but he's here, which means. Every need that you have, every blessing that you're longing for, the giver of those blessings, the giver of that healing is right here. And I'm wanting us to learn from Israel on that day when he came in because they acknowledged him. He didn't just walk in, they're like, okay, cool, Jesus is here. They're like, oh, Jesus is here. And they begin to praise Hosanna, glory in the highest. Blessed is the one who came in the name of the Lord. And I want to challenge you guys in the area of 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 uh of praise. Remember, Hosanna wasn't just a plea for help, but it was a praise, declaring that Jesus was coming, and Jesus was here, and all the help they need was here. Um, I choose to believe, and I'm not coming down on anybody, because I believe that, relatively speaking, we're a pretty praise-forward f- uh, church. and I think that's good. But I choose to believe that when it's time to praise God, let's say, you know, during the songs earlier today, or whenever... Someone says, let's praise God. I choose to believe that if Jesus physically walked into this room and we saw him with our natural eyes, that this room would express itself very differently. Mm. I really want to speak to your faith today. As Christians, we're people of faith, which means we don't live by what we see, but we live by the word. And the word of God says that his presence is here. When it's time to praise him, guys, I don't want you to give yourself too much credit that, well, I mean, if Jesus was here, I mean, of course I would applaud him. Like, of course I would. Like, yeah, I mean, it's Jesus. Like, yeah, I would. I just want you to know that if that is your mindset, you have placed yourself in the same category as every atheist, as every Satan worshiper, as every agnostic, because the Bible tells us that when Jesus finally comes to the earth and we see him physically, that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And I really want to challenge the people of faith because we are supposed to be the people who didn't need to see him physically to praise him. We are supposed to be the people that didn't need to see him manifest to clap our hands and shout, go Jesus. When I tell you, the, there's a, the people right now that says Jesus was nothing but a man and that God doesn't exist, when the Bible says when they see him physically, they're going to bow too. So let's not be the people that only wake up and bow when the non-believers bow. We need to be people who our testimony is I was bowing before we saw him physically. I was praising him before he walked in the room physically. I was shouting Hosanna in the highest before I saw him with my own eyes. The Bible says blessed are those who believe without seeing. It is not enough that it would take him It's not enough that you would see him physically to finally acknowledge his presence. Guys, that's going to be everybody. Even if you're not a Christian, you're going to bow down because he's going to be so majestic. He's going to be so terrible. He's going to be so, so, so extravagant. Everybody is going to bow and everyone's going to confess. And I'm just asking, again, as the church, let's not be the people that have to wait to that day to bow. Let's not be the people that have to wait till we see it in the flesh before we say hallelujah, before we say Jesus is Lord, before we give a shout of praise. So I want to challenge you guys, not just in the corporate settings. But this is the test, guys, just so you know. He's not going to be impressed that you are impressed by him once you see him physically. He won't be impressed. Everybody's going to be impressed. You will not be special. You will not be special once you're impressed by his physical presence. What makes you special is when you're impressed by his presence even without seeing it because the Spirit of God says that he's here. And if I'm a person of faith and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, then I recognize the presence of Jesus even if I can't see him physically. So as you live your life, acknowledge him. As you get up in the morning, Jesus, you're here. Thanks for being here. I'm glad you're here. I mean, as casual as that sounds, that's, that's what I'm talking about. He's with you. Practice acknowledging him in the shower. Practice acknowledging him on the, in the car. Practice acknowledging him at your desk. Practice, practice acknowledging him while you're cooking dinner. Practice acknowledging him because the more you acknowledge him, the more your life will benefit from it. I want to end with this passage. Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. And just so you know, I'm about to read a whole lot of blessings. I'm going to read a whole lot of like crazy like blessings that you would just be happy to get a fraction of it. I'm going to list you blessings and watch how much of the blessings are attached to simply acknowledging the existence of your God. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do you guys know that some of us have set dates for our death currently that if we started to acknowledge the teachings of Jesus, that day would extend? It says that years would be added. To our lives you can actually change the length of your life by simply starting to acknowledge God in your life it will add numbers to your days this is not the only scripture that says that there will be days and years added to your life by simply acknowledging the teachings of Jesus simply acknowledging the counsel of God It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Do not forget about the steadfast love and faithfulness of your God. And bind them around your neck, that basically just means do whatever you got to do to keep God's love and faithfulness fresh on your mind. If you have to literally write a sign around your neck and walk around with it all day, if that's what it takes, the Bible is saying, go for it. That's, right. that's how important it is for us to do it. And that's the thing. That's, I love that about God is because he knows that we forget. And he's not saying that we're supposed to just be people that wake up every morning going, the goodness of God, the goodness of God. He goes, no, you can actually set reminders. You can actually put it in your phone. Has anyone ever thought about even putting it in your phone? Tomorrow, let me put it in my calendar to get a reminder at 12 p.m. to acknowledge God. Don't Guys, don't feel bad if you have to do that. In fact, be, be blessed because it means that you're actually putting in the effort. And you're not being lazy simply because God would love you even if you didn't. Too many of us let God's unconditional love justify us being lazy in our love for him. I know he's going to love you if you don't thank him. I know he's going to love you if you don't pray ever. But is that really enough? He will love you, but you will miss out on all of these promises that are are attached to acknowledging him. I mean, it's got to be pretty serious if the Lord is saying, even if you got to bind it around your neck, flashcards, put stuff on your doors, whatever you got to do. Whatever you have to do to keep him on your mind. So you will find favor. Sorry, write them on the tablet of your heart. Verse 4. And the reason why he's saying do this, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. For some of you guys, Christians, who are like just so anti any thoughts of you having any success on earth because it's all supposed to be God, that's unbiblical. Because the Lord says that if you acknowledge him, he will give you favor both with God and people. A lot of times that's just a religious uh, mask or cover-up for not having fruit in the world. They go, well, this is a product of my righteousness. Uh, The Bible that I read said that if you obey, you will have favor both on both sides. You know who you are. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths, tra- straight your paths. Verse 7, do not, be, sorry, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Again, look to him, acknowledge him. That's what fearing the Lord is, living your life like he's there. Amen. When you fear the Lord, you live your life like he's there. There is no time where you're by yourself. Some of us have the things that we do is because we don't believe that he's even there. Y'all know how we act even if we think our our pastors in the room. Let alone Jesus. You say different things when you think that certain people are present. Let's be honest. If you're if someone that you you know like you have different conversations at work when your boss is not there than you would if he was there. I know that's true. You say different things to your classmate if you don't think the teacher is watching. We have been deceived that God is not around. If we actually lived like God was standing there, I guarantee you, you'd be delivered from 75 to 85% of the things that you struggle with. I guarantee you, if you believed that God was standing there, you would immediately, it'd be a miracle. Oh my God, I'm delivered. No, you just simply started to believe that God was standing right there. Yeah. The Bible says that we only do certain things in the dark that we don't do in the light. When we, when we believe the lights are off, we do different stuff. I'm a human. We get it. I get it. When we are in the dark, we do different stuff than when, we, when, when it's in the light. And basically, if you're a believer and you, actually, you would actually know that you're never in the dark, a believer is never in the dark. A Christian is never. The lights are always on. And if the lights aren't on, then that means the Lord is not there in your life, which means what? how are you a Christian? How are you close to the shepherd if he's not there? We're people of faith, guys. The Lord is ta- telling us to live not by the natural conditions. Yes, I know the natural light's off but in the spirit, the light is there. That's why he calls us children of the light. We are children of the light. I said I wasn't gonna preach this passage. (laughs) Definitely doing that. All right, almost done. Verse eight. Awesome, I love this. If you do this, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Again, to those of you who are only waiting, who think God's victories are only for heaven. Refresh healing to your flesh. That means your physical body. You will actually experience physical healing if you start to acknowledge more of God in your life. Your flesh will actually be healed. I'm not talking about your spiritual flesh. Like, there's no such thing as spiritual flesh. Like... (laughs) Flesh is your skin, your physical body will experience actual healing. And the Bible says you will experience refreshment in your bones, not spiritual bones, guys. I'm talking about the bones that are in your body. That's how powerful God is. If we simply turn our eyes to Him and acknowledge Him, Hosanna, Savior, you're here. Healing will come to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. So now he wants us to acknowledge him with our money too, with our income, with our resources. It says, with the first fruits of, of all your produce, all of it, even the weekend produce, like whatever, like all the produce. It says, honor the Lord with it. Acknowledge him with it. Why? He says, then your barns will be filled With plenty, that doesn't sound like enough to make ends meet. That doesn't sound like just enough so you don't get evicted. That sounds like plenty to me. It says, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. I feel a great need to remind Christians to not manipulate your life to where your life only exists the doting words of God. If you think that you're doing yourself a favor by building your life to where all you hear is that a boy and good job and I love what you did. You aren't signing up for the real God. The real God is good because he says he's proud of you. He knows how to say good job, but he also knows how to say you missed it, bro. Son, you missed it. That wasn't the right way to do it. That actually wasn't a good job. <laughs> if you don't know a God that both says both, then you might have traded him out for some, something that man made. The Bible, okay, I'm going to keep, ah, uh, I don't have to preach. It's here. It says, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. God's discipline and his correction and his reproof is actually a sign that he loves you. As a father of the son in whom he delights. Just because God is not delighted with what you did, it doesn't mean he's not delighted with you. Just because God is not happy with what you offered him, it doesn't mean he doesn't like you. It means you're his son, and he has to show you how to do it right. But, but he can't do that if he's not shepherd. So please, do yourself a favor and open yourself up to the full person of God. Not just the God that society has made to protect your feelings, but the God of the Bible that both comforts you, corrects you, reproves you, disciplines you, guides you, celebrates you, affirms you, he does all of it. Make sure you're getting a balanced meal in your devotions. Please, please don't all of a sudden get deaf when Jesus is not happy with what you're doing. We hear him real clear when he says that he likes what we're doing. But we need to make sure we hear both. And vice versa. Some of us need to know how we can accept the Lord is, is affirming us as well. But this is talking about discipline specifically. That's another message. Are you all okay? Okay. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your presence Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would take away uh, a few things today, and that is that our needs don't have to be accompanied with fear. Our needs can also be joined with celebration and anticipation. When Israel said, Hosanna, they were saying, save us, but they were also saying, salvation has come. Lord, let us get better. At having needs but not having fear. Of having needs but knowing that the, the giver of and the, and the provider of our needs is right with us. Lord, on that note, Lord, let us acknowledge you more. Lord, let it not be on Sundays, Lord, just on Sundays. Lord, we've all lived enough to know that Sundays alone is not enough. We can't just acknowledge you on Sundays. Lord, let us acknowledge you on our Mondays. Acknowledge you on our Tuesdays. Lord, we invite your presence that we acknowledge your presence on our Wednesdays and on our Thursdays, on our Thursday afternoons and our Thursday nights and our Friday mornings and our Friday afternoons and our Friday nights and our Saturday mornings and our Saturday afternoons and our Saturday, and our Saturday nights. Lord, and of course on Sundays, Lord, but just there's just too many incredible blessings. Blessings that quite frankly we're not experiencing not as often as we could. Blessings that your word has written for us that if we simply acknowledge you and praise you and just even just talk to you. Lord Earlier this morning, I had a, just a vision of of, of days where we would just go. You'd be, you'd be right there. Like just, I'm just imagining your physical presence in our room and us going the whole time without talking to you once. Or those 20-minute car rides where you're sitting right there and we don't say anything to you. Or those eight hours that we're putting in at our desk, and you're right there next to us, and we're not saying anything to you. Lord, and I just, it broke my heart because I know that that's hard for you. Your word says that you are long suffering. Just because you're Jesus doesn't mean that you don't feel. It hurts when your people ignore you. And I just wanna thank you for your patience for suffering long so that we can have time to get it right. So, Lord, I pray a a total revival over our our weekdays and our work times. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would simply acknowledge you, Lord, not believe that you're great enough and your light is bright enough that if we simply just even looked your way, light would flood our day. If we would simply just look your, your your look in your direction, your light would flood our offices. It would flood our 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 workout time. It would, it would flood our sleep. It would flood our 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 downtime, our, our chill time. Your light would flood if we just acknowledged you. I pray for us to be a church that acknowledges you in all of our ways so that we can experience the abundant life that you paid for. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. I want us all to acknowledge God together as a group. And we're going to do it in prayer. And for those of us who already are believers, this is going to be a great way to just reignite and reset and refresh our commitment to Jesus. And for those of you who were not believers, who did not know Jesus as Lord prior to this morning, you're gonna be able to experience for the first time acknowledging God alongside your new brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's say this prayer together. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ Lord Jesus I choose you to be the Lord of my life Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now hold up for a second. This is a time where we praise God. And this is just an exercise for your faith. If you have faith, it's time to practice it. I want us to praise God the same way we would believe we would praise him if he physically walked into this room today. So just get whatever that is in your mind. Just imagine how you would praise him if you saw him physically. Let's practice being people of faith on the count of three. Let's praise Hosanna Jesus right now. One, two, three. Hallelujah.
1: Lord, you're magnificent, you're magnificent, God, you're majestic, God, you're perfect, God, you're beautiful, Jesus, you're beautiful, Jesus, we love you, Lord, we praise you, God, we thank you, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, we honor you, God, we honor you, Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, 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 hallelujah Hosanna, 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 hallelujah Praise you, Jesus We thank you, Jesus We honor you, Jesus We honor you, Jesus
0: We praise you According to your greatness According to your greatness Thank you, Jesus, for being here. You will not be ignored at this church, Jesus. We will acknowledge you. We will praise you. We will show honor. We will show honor. Jesus we know you're here Jesus we know you're here we know you're here and we thank you for being here you didn't have to be here you didn't have to grace us with your presence let us forever acknowledge you let us forever acknowledge you in all the aspects of our life, in every area of our lives, let us practice from this day forward, acknowledging you. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. That's how we praise God, according to his greatness. And he's even greater than that, you know what I'm saying? Like. He's greater than that. But doesn't mean that we can't try, right? Let's at least try to praise him according to his greatness, right? Man, thank you, Jesus. I pray you were blessed by that time of honor and praise, Jesus. I pray that that blessed you. All right, we've got two people assigned to pray. We're about to dismiss. If you said yes to Jesus, please let us know. If you said yes to him and you're ready to start a life with him, let us know by one of two ways or both. You can let our prayer team know they're here to pray for anyone who wants prayer, specifically those who, who want to say yes to Jesus, who said yes to Jesus. Or you can text us. The keyword is belong to 77411 and you can let us know online. If you have prayer outside of that for any needs, this team is here to pray for you. This is a house of prayer. We would be honored to pray for you. Uh, Maria and Pastor Love, if you would like to give, thank you in advance. Uh, Every time you give, you're helping us build the kingdom. You're helping us bring change to this city, to this area. And we thank you in advance. We really couldn't do this if it wasn't for the generosity of the saints. So continue to give tithes and offerings you can give online by texting nashville life to that same number or the finance team is in the back they've got little buckets they'll be happy to collect your offering that way um we have next steps right after this service so please third floor if you would like to learn more about the church get more connected we won't keep you long but step two is on the third floor right after we dismiss so go ahead and get up there and uh this week guys be the mindset of coming to church Friday and Sunday invite friends and family we're gonna celebrate We're gonna honor God and more people are gonna get saved I believe it in Jesus name all right I'm gonna dismiss you thanks again for being here I love you father thank you again for uh, this word thank you for your presence Lord thank you for building a church that acknowledges you Lord in all of our ways Lord, I thank you for uh, the change that's happening in all of us. And I thank you for this holy week. Lord, let us be sober and focused on your goodness. Lord, let us be mindful of those around us so that people who are looking for that invite will get it. Lord, people who are waiting to be invited to your presence will get it from the people in this room. And we pray that all in Jesus' name. We love you. Amen. Have a great rest of your day.